This morning, this morning we're going to continue our Sermon on the Mount series. Uh, we are in Matthew chapter 5. Uh, believe it or not, we've gotten through verses 1 through 20, and we're going to pick up in verse 21 uh, this morning. And we're going to read 21 through, I think, 26. We're going to read 21 through 26. And I titled this message, look, I'm not, don't stand up. Okay, read the screen. Go ahead, read the screen. Will the real murderer stand up? So this is not like, you know, I'm, not, I'm, I'm sort of messing with you a little bit, but you understand why I'm saying this in just a few moments. Because um, I think it's interesting what the Bible says and what Jesus talks about as murderous in our hearts and how we act towards one another sometimes. And it's not the typical murder that we're thinking about or that we read about or that we see. So let's read it and then we're going to get into it this morning. Okay, verse 21. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. But whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. Be first reconciled to your brother, and then come offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly, While you're on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge. The judge hands you over to the officer and you'll be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there till you have paid the last penny. So what I've been doing in this series, we've been going kind of verse by verse. So I'm going to go back to verse 21 and just we'll read it again and I want to talk about that. So it says this, you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. And so Jesus is referencing the Old Testament. He's referencing the Ten Commandments. And we all know, most of us know what, I don't know if you all could recite the Ten Commandments. I tried. I got really close. I actually messed up one. So, okay, no judgment on anybody if you try to recite it. But one of them is, you know, do not kill. Do not murder. You're like, well, that makes a lot of sense. Right? That makes a lot of sense. You're like, okay. And I, I started thinking to myself, like, as I read this, I was like, okay, you shall not murder. I was like, well, I haven't. I'm good. In fact, I haven't even, I'm trying to think of the last time, like, I actually got into, like, a fight and hurt anybody. This was a long time ago. This was in college. This was on the streets of State College in the middle of the night after a Penn State football game, and we probably lost, like we did yesterday, and I was, I don't know, 19, 20 years old, I was probably really upset, and there was a bunch of us together, and we got into a fight, and we hurt each other, okay? It's like, I think that's the last time I actively, like, purposely, you know, hurt somebody. Like, I'm good, right? I'm good, right? I'm feeling pretty good here. Like, this is okay, And so I'm like, man, I haven't murdered anyone. I'm feeling pretty good. So I'm in clear. I am in clear of this danger. Jesus, I got this one. We're good. And then he goes into verse 22. 
but, right, so Jesus is like, you know, he's like, you know, any good message or sermon kind of gets you going, you're like, oh, yeah, 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 and then it's like, he changes something on you, like, ooh, but I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. And I'm like, wait a second. You mean that the judgment on a murderer, Jesus, in the, and as he's teaching us, is the same judgment we have in our heart. When we reside and keep in our heart this deep bitterness and unforgiveness towards someone that we are, is this, is this what this is saying? That we are potentially in that same danger of that judgment? And then not only that, then when I begin to speak out the words or type them on social media or begin to speak against that person or that group or whomever it is that I am in danger of murder. Wow. Like this, I mean, this is like an attention grabber, right? This is like, I was like, Lord, show me more. (laughs) Tell me more because I don't want to live in this way. Murder in God's eyes is serious business. How many of you know that? Serious business. He came and died for all of us. Life is important to him. He gave us life. He gives us our breath. It is important to him. And the root of this issue, this is not just like, oh, somebody cut me off and I'm angry at them. Okay, like this anger, this, what God is talking about here, what he is speaking about here, this thing in our, it's something that has to do with our heart. How many know that God judges the heart? This is a heart issue. So when you begin to hear yourself speaking about someone or saying something about someone and it's actually coming out of your mouth, that means it's an overflow out of what's already in here in your heart. And we all know that there's power in our tongue. And we have this ability to create life or create death with the power of our tongue. So for me, when I, if I begin to even begin to think and begin to say something about someone else, I begin to realize that this is something, this is an issue in my heart. I'm having a heart issue with this person. And the meaning here, this meaning, look at this, it's on the screen here. It's a deep-seated hostility, a settled anger or resentment. And maybe why I wrote this down, maybe a better way to say it is that something we would call nursing a grudge. Nursing a grudge. Ooh, that, every time you see that person, right? You get that feeling in your heart. You're like, <clears throat> you begin to feel there's something deep-seated in there, in your heart, that God wants to show you, he wants to expose, and he wants to be able to help you remove that so you can live freely. You know, when we hold on to bitterness and, un- and unforgiveness in our own life, it actually causes us harm. It doesn't cause the other person harm. They're walking around Wegmans doing their shopping, happy as can be. They may not even know that they've done something to make you upset. And we're going to talk in a little bit later about what do we do when someone has made us upset and we have that thing in our heart and we begin to... When, Look, when you get together with someone, and if the first thing you want to do is start talking about somebody else, you got a problem with that person. You've got one, you should stop immediately. And if you're with the person who begins talking about that other person, they're not there, you should actually stop them and say, 
no thank you. That person's not here. We're not going to go there. Let's change the subject. Let's talk about Penn State's loss again last, yesterday to Ohio State. Right? You know, if you want to get it light, you want to get me going, you want to get me fired up, we can talk about that. Right? But we want to shut down those conversations about those other people. But you have to realize, it's like an indicator. Like, you know, on your dashboard when you're driving, I, I laugh about this all the time, the low tire pressure indicator. Right? And how angry that makes you. How angry it makes me. And it happened to me. Who was with me? Girls, anybody was with me? In the Outback, I was driving the Outback yesterday, low tire pressure. What? How? Are you kidding me? Like, what, what is the purpose? I'm going through all, now this was a little bit dangerous, I'm totally sidetracking here. As I'm driving, I'm going through the menu on the car, because there's like an indicator that tells me the tire pressure on all my tires. And I'm looking, 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 and I finally find it, it's like one PSI low, come on. Right? Just to aggravate me. The thing goes on. But the indicator light was to show you that something is not quite where it needs to be. And when you begin in your heart to begin to have these thoughts or even begin to speak those things about someone else, God takes that very seriously, as we've just read. And it's an indicator for us that we've got a heart issue that we need to go address. It's an indicator for us. And notice that that scripture says there are two conditions. I don't know if you saw that or not, but there were two conditions. And the first one was, it says, without a cause. And then it also says, but with a cause, in the sense that you begin to speak ill will of that person. So this applies to both without a cause and with a cause. Look, without a cause, there are people, there are Christians, and I'm sure nobody in this room does it. But if you get on social media, you will see hate speech and people just going after each other. Christians, brothers and sisters in the church because of theological difference or this difference or you're supporting Israel and you shouldn't be doing all this, all of this anger and angst between God. From what I'm reading in the scripture is saying, you've got a murderous spirit in your heart. Whoa. Holy cow. That's some pretty serious business. And I would call those without cause. Do you even know that person? Do you, even, do you even know them, and why are you going after them on social media? Like, what do you think that you're doing? How is this going to be helpful? And we always, we always talk about, like, what is, the, what is the result that you think you'll get by doing that? What's the outcome? Joy? Peace? The outcome is keep checking your feed to see if they've responded to your last comment. Ooh, well, that's a good point, but I got a, I got a defense at this point. I'm going to come back on this one. Right? And it's just like, whoa, this is like without cause. This is somebody you don't even, barely even know, and you're going back and forth. And God says, that is dangerous. That is dangerous. And we have to be very careful of that. But then there's also this with cause. He says, but do not begin to speak ill will of somebody else, raka or fool or all these things that he is talking about. And the, and the Bible goes in other areas, and we know this, it says, be angry, but do not sin. Be angry, but do not sin. And this is a challenge for all of us, right? Like, I can get angry, like, pretty hot quick. Like, if, you know, and it's kind of like I'm, like, this calm and steady dude. My kids will know this. Like, I'm just, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, sure, ask me another question. Yeah, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Yep, sure, no, no, no lollipops. Yep. No, you can't have a snack. No, you can't have a sparkling water. No, you can't have this. Oh, there's a boof. No! Stop asking me all the questions. 
right? And so this is my issue because I didn't put boundaries and that's a whole parenting discussion. We can talk about that at another time. But it's just like this anger that comes up and the Bible talks over and over about we are allowed. That's a feeling. Pastor Liz talked about it this morning. Anger is not bad. Anger is not wrong. It's a feeling that you have. Like, oh, I feel angry. And it's an indicator that says, hello, something's going on. Let me look into this a little bit more. And that's what anger really is. And so really being angry but do not sin. This murder that he is talking about is a heart attitude. And then when it begins to bubble up, we begin to speak it out. And this word raka means you are attacking their mind. Like you are just like, you raka. Yeah? And it's like you're calling them stupid. Worthless. You're atta- that's per- stupid. And then fool is attacking their character. You begin to speak things against their character of who they are. And I put in parentheses, stupid idiot. How many of you guys have ever, you don't have to raise your hand. The real murderer does not have to stand up. I'm the only one standing guilty. Okay? You all don't have to do I'm standing for you on your behalf here. Right? But it's this. It's like how many of you, how many of you ever did the stupid idiot? Yeah? Oh, what a stupid idiot. What an idiot. How stupid. Yeah, those are, like, those are like the cool words for the Christian to be able to use without using curse words. Yeah, stupid idiot. Can't believe they would even think that. Ridiculous. Did you hear what he said? Did you hear what he said? What an idiot. Yeah, the Bible says you're calling someone rock and fool and you have a murderous spirit in your heart right now. And you've got to be like, we better che- you better check yourself. Like, I got to, sometimes I better like, Jason, you better check yourself with this and how I'm speaking. We have to remember, church, that the battles that we face are not against flesh and blood. If we could remember that in the midst of our arguments, in the midst of our spousal disputes, when I wasn't showing affection, you know, or whatever it might be. When we're in the midst of that, if we can remember, look, we have an enemy. Brother Paul talked about in our mind giving us thoughts and just trying to take us down a path of a lie and believing in a lie. We have to remember that this, these two, me and Erica, whatever, I'm just looking at you. The battle's not between Erica and I. The battle's not between Jay and I. The battle's not between Adam and I. Got one from each section, so you're all covered. The battle is not against us flesh and blood, but it's against these principalities and powers of darkness. And so if we can remember, like, ooh, I'm feeling angry. But you know what? That person did something to hurt me and to offend me. And I am angry. And that wasn't great. And that wasn't cool. But my battle is not against them. My battle is not to then take my sword out and begin to wield it with my tongue and try to cut them down. That's not my battle to fight. God's got my battles covered. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, not Pastor Jason. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. We leave that in God's hands. And we pull out our sword and we speak truth and we speak life. Because life and death are in the power of the tongue. The other thing we have to remember, not just that the battle is not against that person, but we have to remember to forgive so that we too can be forgiven. And there are verses upon verses in the Bible that talks about this. 
But we have to remember, and even in the Lord's Prayer, which we'll get to a little bit further in the Sermon on the Mount uh, a couple weeks from now, but we have to remember that we have to forgive so that we may also be free. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. And that what I want to encourage us is, I don't know if you know, statistically speaking, they did a study that people who hold resentment and bitterness are far more likely to get cancer than those who don't. Like if that's not like, this is a physical thing that is occurring based on our spirit man and our heart. Our heart issue, really our soul. Our spirit man is clean and cleansed. But really our soul or our heart issue. When we begin to hold on to that, it's like poison. Church, it's like poison in your own body. How many of you are like, you know, if there's poison in my own body, I'd like to try to get rid of it, right? You're probably going to fast. You're going to find to do like a foot cleanse, like put your feet in bubbled water, right? I don't know what the people do stuff and like chemicals and stuff come out of their feet. I don't know. I haven't done that, but that's probably real. That happens, right? But if you got like poison on the inside, like what do you call poison control? Like you got you to you get it out. You got to get your stomach pumped you got to get something done to get the poison out. And I would encourage us, church, here, from a forgiveness perspective, doesn't mean we have to forget, but in our own hearts we have to resolve that we have to forgive so that we can be forgiven. We say, well, well Pastor, what about Jesus? Jesus, he was angry. Jesus was angry. He flipped tables. He made a whip. He was angry. There are parts of his ministry you can see that he was angry. But in 1 Peter 2.23 it says, They humbled their insults at him, and he did not retaliate. Jesus did not retaliate at the insults. And when he suffered, he made no threats. So what do we do? What do we do? Verse 23 says, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, there is some type of stress or strain against you guys there's something there's an issue that's out there leave your gift there before the altar go on your way be first reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift now of course we already did offering sorry maybe i should did offering at the end today you know what i mean so nobody brings their offering up they all run out you all you know try to work out resolution with people and then bring your offering again but what jesus is speaking of here what he's saying is, is when we hold this in, when this murderous spirit on the inside of our heart and this anger towards somebody that is bubbling up out and we are becoming actually hurtful to that person, it limits our ability to worship the Lord. Because giving is an act of worship. And Jesus is saying, you know what? Don't even bring it. Don't even, I, I don't need your tithes and offerings. It is so important to me more important than your tithes and offerings and paying for this building and paying for all the stuff is I want you to go and reconcile with your brother or sister that you have an issue with. Please go. Please go do it now. That's what Jesus is saying. Some of you looked up at me like you thought I was telling you to go right now. Maybe you should right after this. This importance of recon uh, reconciliation. Jesus is saying that we need to reconcile with, with our brother. It's almost a prerequisite to worshiping God. So how do we do this? Like, Pastor, this is great. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Like, I'm feeling this. I feel like there's somebody, maybe God's speaking to me in my life. I have to go deal with. So what? Now what? What am I supposed to do? How? What? Now what? 
So look, there are many books on this. There's a lot of great information on this. I am no means an expert, but I do want to look at a passage of Scripture in Matthew 18 that kind of gives us a little bit of a framework or a guideline of how to go make this happen or, or make an attempt to go make this happen. It says this, starting in verse 15. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained a brother. Reconciliation, one to one. But if he will not hear you, take with you one or two more. That by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. So we go together with somebody if the first time doesn't work. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. Which means you've got to try a couple times before you come and bring it to the pastors and the eldership of this church. If he refuses, they'll tell it to the church. But if he refuses even then to hear, let him be to you like the heathen and the tax collector. Which means saying, I cannot have a relationship because this person does not want to reconcile. But God puts the onus on us to do the reconciliation. If the other person chooses not to reconcile, that is not your issue. That is not your fault. God encourages us to make the step, the first step to the reconciliation. And how many of you know that forgiveness, the forgiveness of God comes to us when we truly repent? When we truly repent and say, Lord, I want to turn from my sins and I repent of my sins. That is when true forgiveness and reconciliation comes between you and God. And I believe it's the same way between people. The person that has sinned against you has to be willing to repent and own up to their issue. And when that doesn't happen, these are the steps that you go down and take. And it says it's kind of like this escalating steps. And then in verse 18, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Interesting, we use this verse all of the time in a lot of different contexts, but Jesus taught it in the context of relationships. He taught us in the context of relationships, because it's so important, this unity between spouses, this unity between the church, this unity between brothers and sisters of God is so important that he wants us to use the power and of authority of heaven of binding and loosening in order to seek and see and find reconciliation between brothers and sisters. And then he says, again, I say to you that if two of you agree on anything on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am in the midst of them. So the summary of what this passage teaches us to do, number one is, it's not on the list, we need God's help. <laughs> we need Jesus. Jesus, we need you, we need your help, we need you to help us and guide us and lead us. So the first thing we do after seeking Jesus in is we have to address it head on. I think too often, and I've been guilty of this, is we think someone did something or we heard that they did something and then we don't say anything and it lingers and it lingers and it lingers. And the more it lingers, the more upset you get. And it may not even be over anything. I've, this has happened in my own life. It's like the longer you wait to bring something up, the more like, oh yeah, and then oh, oh yeah, and oh, oh yeah, right? Ooh, what a, oh and it's almost like you even begin to forget what you were originally upset about, and you're seven steps down the path. Now you're just really, really mad and angry at that person. But if you just would have went to them initially, out of the gate, there could have been a reconciliation. 
quickly. And how many of you know, growing up as a kid, the kid, at least in my, in my neighborhood, the kids that I fought with were my best friends. And if they weren't my best friend before the throwdown, somehow they became my best friend afterwards. Like, so I don't know what, it's like kids are like working out this, working out this scripture, not with words, but with like, you know, I, I, just, I remember it clear as day. The dude's name was Larry. Larry Panic. He was my neighbor. He lived up the street. And he was like, he was saying stuff about me. And he was like, man, man, man. And I was like, what are you doing? What are you talking about? And we scuffled. We scuffled. I was like 11, 12. We scuffled. And he took me out, I believe. I don't remember it clearly. I try, to rem- I try not to remember those things if I lost in a fight. I did take Taekwondo afterwards, you know. I kind of learned in my skills of self-defense. But I remember that he became my best friend. And the interesting part is, is there was this issue, and it didn't go on and on and on and on. It was like, dude, what's going on? Let's go. Let's go. Let's talk about it. Let's go. And as a little kid, you don't know what to talk about, so we got into it. Right? And it was just like, wow, we became best friends. And I believe that was like kids leading out the scripture, like, don't let it linger. Go to someone, address it head on. And if they don't see it, they don't have it, then go with someone else. Take someone with you, someone who can speak into both of your lives, who is trusted in both parties. And if that doesn't work, you bring it to the church, you bring it to the spiritual authority. And then really at the end of the day with all of these, as these go down, we begin to bind and loose. Interesting again that this is where it's loose. We have to bind up bitterness. We have to loose forgiveness in our lives, amen? Sid, if you want to come up. And then Jesus encourages us in verse 25, back to Matthew 5, to do it quickly. He says this, agree with your adversary quickly. While you're on your way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge. The judge hand you over to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Surely I say to you, by no means you'll get out of it you have paid the last penny. I would encourage you, church, don't delay. If as I was speaking this morning, the Lord placed someone on your heart, that there needs to be a reconciliation with, and you, you can just feel and sense in your heart that spirit, and every time you see him, you feel the stupid idiot wanting to come out. That's the Lord's indicator saying there's someone you need to work towards taking the next step of resolution with. And I have a funny example that I'm going to end this with, and then I'll get serious again. But this year I was a coach at flag football with Jairus. This was uh, sixth through eighth grade. It was the playoffs. Playoffs. It was the playoffs. And... It was obviously a very important game. It's win or go home. And I had heard about the other team. I didn't ever witness it, but I heard about the other team and their coaches and how they acted and what they were like. And we got on, and we were playing in the middle of the game, and one of the kids' jerseys was hanging over his flags, and he couldn't pull it. And I start yelling at the ref, okay? Your pastor yells at the ref during a football game sometimes. It was very justified. It was very, very intense, okay? I may have broken a clipboard during one of the games. Okay, so it was very intense, and I was, I was yelling at the ref. I was like, he's got to tuck his shirt in. He's got to tuck his shirt in. And then all of a sudden, the other team's coaches 
there was three or four coach over there, they started yelling at me. Well, if your team wouldn't be pulling on our jerseys, he wouldn't have to keep tucking his thing. And we start going back and forth. And I could sense in my heart, I was beginning to escalate. You know how you feel when you start to escalate? Your knees get a little, feel the twing. It's like, am I going to fight or flight here, right? And you start to feel this sense of, I'm starting to get upset. And I start making comments. I start saying things. And they're saying things. And then one of them was like, I'm a grown woman. You want to go? And I knew, I was like, oh boy, I have gone too far. <laughs> and those, I hadn't even studied for this yet, because this was a couple weeks ago. But I was like, all right, Lord, wow, this is sixth through eighth grade flag football. Okay, little perspective check. And I kind of just said a little prayer. I was like, all right, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because this is, this is not getting any better. And I felt like the Lord tell me right in the middle of the game to walk over to the other side, because we're on the same sideline the way it works, and just to walk over like, hey, man, I'm sorry about that. I was just really intense in the game. I know you guys are intense, too. This is a great game. Good luck to your team. You know, I'm, it's just an honor and a privilege just to play this game and to, and to be out here. And they just stopped and looked at me. And the one guy reached his hand out. And I shook his hand. I shook the next coach's hand. And I looked at the lady who was, you know, wanting to throw down with me. <clears throat> and she looked at me. And she's like, all right, man, that's cool. And it just, it literally, you could feel like the air going out of a balloon, right? It's like the diffusing of the situation was like, because even the refs, like the angst on the refs during the game, because you're just heated and going, the whole atmosphere of the entire flag football field went down to a peaceful level. Now, we lost the game, but there was friendly handshakes afterwards. And I know it's a funny example, but it's just an example in real life that says, you know what? Our calling as Christians, we don't get to do and say whatever we want anymore. When we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, there are things that he is asking us to go do, and part of those is to go make that step of reconciliation. And the indicator light for us is this heart issue when we begin to feel and sense things, so much so that either we begin to say them or we want to say them. So let's pray this morning. In fact, why don't you all stand with me? <laughs> Will the real murderer stand up? Let's just all stand up together, okay? Just close your eyes this morning. I feel like the Lord is a challenge for us today to say, oh, Lord, I do have that sense, that feeling that deep-seated anger in my heart that is just becoming bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness. Even begin to speak ill will of this person or these people. So Lord, first I ask, Lord, that you would forgive me of that. Lord, that I truly desire this morning to repent and to turn from that and to seek reconciliation, Lord. 
So, Lord, we just invite you. Jesus, right now, we invite you into every one of those situations, every one of those circumstances. Lord, we invite you in to have your way. Lord, soften our hearts where they need to be softened. Lord, as your word promises, one of those 11,000 promises, that you will give us the words to say when we seek you. That the Holy Spirit himself will be the one who speaks for us and on our behalf. So Lord, we submit every one of those relationships, every one of those situations to you. Lord, we ask this morning that you continue to strengthen us by your Spirit that lives on the inside of us. Thank you, Jesus. If everyone still has their eyes closed and their head bowed, if there's anyone here this morning who has never made Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior, we talked about baptism next week, we talked about this public declaration, but in order to be baptized, in order to take that next step, you have to accept and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. As the one who paid the price, the one who rose from the grave, the one who wants a relationship with you. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you'd like to do so this morning, just slip your hand up. Okay. Father, we just thank you for who you are, what you've done both on the cross. Lord, we thank you for your teachings that challenge us, but are ultimately meant to bring health and wholeness to us. So, Father, we thank you for that. Jesus, we thank you for your words and your life, your death and your resurrection. We give you all the honor and the praise and the glory in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Uh, We have some prayer teams that are going to be coming up here right now. Uh, They'll be up here up front afterwards. If you need prayer for anything, Prayer for healing, prayer for relationship, prayer for a trip coming up. Whatever it is, they'll be ready and willing and are able to pray with you. But let me just read this benediction as we send you out. It's out of Romans 5. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another. According to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and with one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. We love you guys. Have a great week.